To the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look and movies we love break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my slower than he used to be, fell off the map, hair still feathered nice, eye patch rocking co-host and bad mofo. They call me Alex. Oh, sorry. No, it's Alex Tandino. Or Pliskin. Or whatever. <laughs> Pliskin, one of my my names. One of my many. I have a lot of Or or sorry, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Just call me call me maybe. (laughs) All right, guys. As always, if you like the show, not anymore. If you like the show before this intro, uh, please take a second and leave us a rating and review. Especially if you find us on Apple Podcasts app, that helps us out a ton, guys. Uh, Go down there where you find the episode. Click that five star. Leave a brief. sentence or two about why you like the show that's all it is it's fast it's easy it helps us a lot for those of you that have been doing it we see you thank you we appreciate yeah uh also another thing you can do to help us out shout us out on your social media we're on all social medias you're on so give us a follow shout us out that way we find more friends uh to bring into the pod you can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com with your ideas for movies you'd like us to cover, themes, double features, guests to have on the show. If there's new stuff coming out that you want us to talk about, send it all over. I promise you it's on a master list that I am keeping. And someday I, I promise I will hit all these movies Trust. eventually, right? Me, Alex has seen it. It's a long-ass list of uh, suggestions and recommends we've got. So seen we're working it. on that. I contribute to it regularly. That's right. We do this. This is our thing now. No. <laughs> We have a mission, and we only have nine hours. All right, guys. Also, you can see our faces at our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist, plural with an S at the end. All right, enough tomfoolery. Uh, let's talk about some tomfoolery. Yeah, I was going to say, what are you talking from about? LA. <laughs> uh, Alex, I don't know. Well, Griff, let me ask you a rank. question. Okay, we're going to go that way. All right. Have you ever had deja vu? yeah man but about a place on the opposite side of the country but you're older that's called the film but you still want to do the same friend. yeah (laughs) no um sorry again this is john carpenter theme month right the pod calls a carpenter true i don't know that i would say this is the top of john carpenter's oeuvre i don't know that this is one of the greatest sequels of all time what i will tell you is that there are are some wildly memorable moments um and some things that i really like in here mixed in with a lot of other weirder things uh alex hit me up with a brief uh your brief thoughts to start us off here on escape from la as john carpenter's only direct sequel he ever directed i have to say interesting choice Apparently, and I, I did a lot of research because, again, like Kurt this, Russell writing this time, Kurt Russell, well. Deborah Hill and John Carpenter all write this. This is Kurt Russell's like Kurt Russell has been hounding John Carpenter for years to do a sequel to Escape from uh, New York. 
And apparently in 1986, they almost got one off the ground. But, and I'm not kidding, I read this online. They turned it down because they thought it was too light and too campy. So they waited 10 years and we got <laughs> Escape from LA. Now, <laughs> they're like, we need to wait 10 years and then have a shark. Try to bite your one-man submersible by underwater Universal Studios. Because <laughs> that's the kind of hard-hitting shit that Snake Plissken gets into. <laughs> so, look, yo, this is not like the greatest John Carpenter movie ever made. But it is a lot of fun, and there are some very, very memorable things going on in this movie that, again... I'm not sure they're memorable necessarily for the right reasons, but they're memorable nonetheless. And I found, some of them are though. Some yeah, of them I'm not, are. Not, yeah, exactly. I'm not not painting this with a broad brush and saying this movie is garbage. Don't watch it because we don't do that on this show. What I'm telling no. you is this movie is entertaining just as much as inter- I, honestly, like it does again what John Carpenter does so well, which is just entertain the fuck out of you. If you are coming to this movie expecting a geopolitical thriller about an isolated man going to an isolated place and experiencing some sort of realization about himself, turn it off immediately and go, you know, watch yeah. like something else. I don't know. Anything. Yeah. That's not this no. movie. The road this ain't, my friend. The road this ain't. <laughs> this movie me, is fun, action packed madness. This movie to me. It's so weird because, again, probably the biggest, hardest obstacle to get over is that they're doing almost a beat-for-beat recreation of the first movie, but just less than at almost every turn, right? Almost. And that's a hard pill to swallow. (laughs) The thing I like about this movie, though, is that it feels... It feels like this could be an alternate universe, right? Where boy, oh boy, you're not Snake Plissken gets out, he gets his freedom. Uh, you know, he he fucks over the president. There's no world peace because he ripped the tapes, you know, the tape uh the tape apart from President uh, Olive Garden kids menu. <laughs> you know, his like world peace and crayon plan. Right. So, that's where we leave Snake. It this feels like if an executive who worked for something, let's say, like in the 90s, what would have been a, a Lifetime movie version yeah. of, let's retell the Snake Plissken story. Right. <laughs> and it, so it feels like this, like like so many things that go to Hollywood, it becomes cheaper, more plastic, more vapid. Yeah. Less good, but kind of bigger, louder, dumber, and, you know, somewhat entertaining. So it, it feels like there is this, like, here's a, a fun thing that just, we see little changes at the start, right? Like, I like that when Snake now is getting brought to the the prison island outside of Los Angeles, which has been separated by earthquakes because some guy prayed about how awful everyone in yeah, L.A. was. Yeah, this movie is like if the president, <laughs> if the president uh, who got elected was like the guy who's on the 700 Club. No, who's that guy who was like, COVID-19, <sighs> and tried to blow the wind away with the hot breath of god that guy is the president in escape from la so that is a fun launching point but yeah so this is a theocracy now where la is now the destination yeah la for, is uh morally morally repugnant moral americans crimes. which is, we see the lines on that gets blurred right so la yeah is like this island where your citizenship's taken away and you're an undesirable you're sent there whatever you're deported as they say numerous times 
Yes, and now this uh, COVID-19 blower priest is elected president for life by some special law. <laughs> that's where we start, By repealing right? the law I that like, doesn't though. allow that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. Okay, so that's, you know, it's a fun, it's like, hey, it's the exact same movie, but now we're going to also hate on religion. You're yeah. like, I'm down for that. That's fine. Sure. So, <laughs> but what I like is when Snake gets out now, there is this new fun wrinkle in this one where now there uh, is like a media throng. So yeah. now we have kind of the souped up Levon Cleef, right? Who's sitting there and he's like, you had it all, soldier boy. You had it all. You were one of our best. And now you're just a piece of shit, snake. Oh, and he's like, what I do you have to say guy. for yourself? And there's cameras everywhere, right? I think that is a fun new element to this, which is now we're not only doing the America that'll wall off a major city and fill it with undesirables and just be horrible kind of imperialists. Now we're getting into this kind of propaganda apparatus, which right. is a fun thing they play with throughout the movie. Yeah. So that whole... is one of the things I think is a really good ad. Definitely. It adds the level that you need to get through. Again, we talked about the last show, like the incredible opening of this movie like the elevator pitch premise is so fascinating and they do such a good job of captivating you throughout the top they do such a good job of that this time with simply making it about the media blitz that occurs i'm not saying it's nearly as interesting the second time around but this is the wrinkle you need to get you through it yeah without you going like oh god we're gonna do the same thing again like there are repeat vibes throughout the entire opening like even like walking down the corridor again like Instead of this time, you can be cremated. Like, yeah, we'll just electrocute you. And then, you know, I don't know. We'll throw your yeah. body overboard. Like, that's it. Like, it's <laughs> it's so bizarre. You can imagine Kurt Russell sitting there with his pencil and his tablet. Yes. By the way, this, like, this is a really like, important fact. Snake factoid. invaded New York. But no, he's like, Snake invited invaded New York by air. What's the opposite of air? Oh, yes. Sea invasion. And it's like, that's what the first act of this movie is. And this is, is what like is the inversion of the first. Movie. Yes. This movie. <laughs> this movie is Kurt Russell's one and only writing credit ever. And actually, I read that John Carpenter had said that Kurt Russell pretty much wrote the entire final half of this movie, which is very telling in some ways. Yeah. It's got it's got some gems here at the end. Yeah, but, but beginning again, I do think there is a fun there's a fun element in this start of again. I like the the media propaganda apparatus. Me too. And I like this. There's a fun thing that they start to play with, which is like you know when Snake tries to choke out the holograms, and uh, you know, ah, we thought you'd try that, you know, <laughs> fake bullets. When he's like, yeah. oh, you're not giving me the cure, and he's Scarface them. They're like, ha, idiot. And so they're playing with it. But that adds another fun thing. Because I think the lady even refers to like, oh, Snake's so retro. Oh, yeah. No. Right? Like he feels out of place in this movie, in this era, which is very true by the end. But there That's actually is one of my of favorite fun... lines in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But so he gets out. He fucking ruins America at the end of the first one. Goes on to just start guns blazing, terrorizing Cleveland, which God only knows. If that's how bad New York and L.A. are, imagine the fucking hellscape that is Cleveland I in got this universe. It, like, I, as, a, as a person from Cleveland, the amount of Cleveland jokes in this, I was like, man, I cannot imagine how terrible Cle like, Cleveland might be just a crater in this universe. The place that was so bad, it finally consumed Snake Plissken. <laughs> but, but that's what I mean, right? So there's this 
this fun element of nothing has changed, right? I think that's the line that Snake keeps referring to, right? The more things more change, things the change, more, they the more they're the same. same. Right? Which isn't just about the screenplay. No. <laughs> but it's also about this hopelessness of Snake did all that. He saved the president, which was supposed to matter and help. Again, he ripped up his tape, though. And, of course, that guy, you know, can't be memorizing speeches and shit. Neither here nor there. But what we see is that now we're just doing it on the opposite coast with the new guy. This is this kind of never-ending cycle. And so Snake being brought out. So they have all this new technology, all these highly trained people. The fact that this time they're still using Snake Plissken. It kind of gives it this cruel hand of fate feel, right? Yeah. Where it is this never-ending wheel where Snake Plissken is the only kind of real person who's constantly just caught up in the melodramas of these fucking insane characters that he's always around. Yes. I mean, it's again, almost like, like a Twilight Zone version of hell, right? Yeah. No, well, I mean, it's like Twilight Zone if Snake Plissken was the main character of the Twilight Zone. Like, he just like... But it's no, that... there, there's a great Twilight Zone, right? Where it's the guy who's like, he's a, a massive gambler. Yeah. And so he goes, and the guy That's grants exactly him the power where... exactly what I was where, thinking. Yeah, and all of a sudden he wins every hand at gambling and every girl likes him and he's like, I hate it. It's no fun if I don't lose every now and again. Because he's a big loser who wants to be a winner. Right. And he wins all the time. And this old man's like, oh, you thought this was your heaven, but it's hell. And his hell is just getting all the pussy and money. And that was a really like mind-blowing cool Twilight Zone for me when I was a kid. This feels like what's happening to Snake Plissken is that he's in this lifetime Twilight hell Right, even like Snake comes in, and he's on his mission. He knows he's already been injected with poison and is dying. Right. This time he only has ten hours. Right, the most absurd countdown clock yeah, of all. The time. amount of time they give him is ridiculous. I'm like, no, not yeah. this is he'll die easily without okay, question. Well, let me let me lay this out in like three points. Right, so one, he's dying of a venom. It's not something they can just take out. They said they have an instant syringe. Instant take cure. All right, fine. They're doing it again. Why does he only have 10? The first movie, it was, if you're not back by the time the Peace Summit's there and they leave, the world's over. This one, they don't really tell us why. They're just like, fuck you, 10 hours. You're like, what? Like, I still have to get my fucking latex suit on. That's going to be 30 minutes. That's The math is so bad in this movie. Yeah. But even in that, right? So Snake knows he's about to die. And he's like, I'll take the coat. And they're like, take it all, Pliskin. And I was like, <laughs> he's still stopping to do the fashion. <laughs> it just, it's just it's all it's kind of classic what snake did in the first one which is not rushing and like trying to be cool yeah but it, it feels weirder in this one because everything is so fucking condensed yeah right that him doing it in that one feels real because the next thing we see is him like i'm gonna cause a small nuclear explosion and this one man submerged because he's like fuck you i'm dying it's like you didn't care about changing for the coat and at the end of the movie the he's fucking got like 12 minutes left he beats a guy up and has to unrobe him to get his coat back. I'll take my coat back. Thank you. It's like, Snake, there's more important things going on here, sir. I know this isn't your first rodeo, but there's more important things than, than coat choice. Yeah, I got to say, the Snake Pliskin we happen upon during the Escape from L.A. is certainly a more selfish Pliskin, if, if that's even possible. Well, he's more famous. That's the weird. Is that the oh, events of think- Escape from New York... You made he, him a fucking absolute folk hero. Right. So what you're saying he is he went that, back to crime. So in that case, based on what we talked about last time, like Pliskin gets a full pardon, walks away. 
Yeah. And he's just like, you know, living in, uh, he's living in, uh, you know, Fishers, Indiana with his uh, neighbors having a good time. <laughs> you know, like. He's just coming over to my house for a cigar. Yep. Just it's living cool his best life. My daughters. He's there for up. He's there for almost 10 years. And finally, 2013 rolls around. That's not what that, I think happens. First he time. just gets that. Itch. I, I would imagine. <laughs> Goes to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine when um, President Wallace Doofus the eighth or whatever realizes that he's been had, that that pardon <laughs> is no longer valid. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Or even if it is snake is so disillusioned because we kind of forgot two things in escape from New York. We should clean up real quick, which is one. There's an amazing scene when snake confronts him at the end. He's like, a lot of people died trying to get you this tape. I want to know what you think about it. And the president gives him that same bullshit line, that stock line right. that he gave to the air force guys that died in the airplane. Two seconds later when he's like, yeah, I, I thank them. I thank them for their sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. And then, so that that tells you that Snake immediately he just kind of looks at him like you fucking sack of shit, right. like you piece of shit. He's not bought in, right? And one of the things at the end is when, uh, you know, the police chief's like, "Hey, man, I want to offer you another deal. You should come work for me." And he's like, "What do you say, Snake?" And he's like, "Call me Pliskin." Like he's reclaimed his Americanness and his, you know, soldier before he went rogue. Right at the start of this movie, the first thing he says for cameras. Which is a really nice branding moment is, kill me, snake. See, it's right here on my belly. I put it there for you. <laughs> and it's, so he's he's back now, right? I think at the end of the first movie, he was reasserting, I'm doing what's best for America. And realized, oh, fuck. I don't know if this you ever not caught cool. this. Now he's going snake again. This is something I totally glazed over the last time I watched Escape from L.A., which was a while ago. But... Uh, they give up the ghost on what Snake Plissken's real name is, which is Bob. <laughs> Just do they oh, really? Yeah, they call him like Ah Bob Snake Plissken. I'm like, wait a second. Not even like a, a Christian Robert. No, no, just Bob. <laughs> just fucking Bob. <laughs> so clearly, his parents loved him none. They're like, we're not gonna waste the free R O E R T on you. You're just a Bob now. <laughs> Holy fuck. No wonder he's like getting fucking navel tattoos of a cobra and he's a cub snake. Bob. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, here he comes. Bob Snake Pliskin. I, I will say this. You describing Escape from L.A. as a movie where you glaze over a lot. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird because I remember watching this in college a lot and always loving it more. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I was always on things in college. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a great stoner movie. Yeah. Um, let's actually jump ahead and let's talk about L.A., right? Sure. So last time we talked about the setting of Manhattan and all that that adds. Let's talk about the setting of L.A. I think – now, one, let's get this out of the way because I think it's kind of a poppycock critique. But the geography of this movie and the fact that you can just walk across L.A. – like, you know, from the Hollywood Bowl to Anaheim, period, within nine hours. Well, you you know, know, all that. Well, The idea that you can hang glide from the Hollywood sign to Anaheim. Yeah, there we go. I was going to say, we don't walk from it. Well, it's not even from the Hollywood. Oh, yeah, it is from the Hollywood sign. Sorry. They start at the yeah. Queen Mary, which is down yeah. in Long Beach. Again, like, I, this movie hinges on the fact that anyone who has seen it does not or has never been to Los Angeles. It's like, it's... Uh, 
It's fascinating. Right. And again, I and don't again, have a. Pr- I, I think that's a bit of a poppycock totally. thing to talk well, about, but it is. It's not it's even. Stra- a, this has like Game of Thrones travel rules. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Exactly. Like, again, I'm not even like. I wouldn't even call that a critique. Like, anyone who critiques is like, no. The geography of LA is very different. Well, from I that. have an atlas. What I'm saying, though, what it Great. does. Great. Congratulations. For me is you have not, a Thomas guy. I Move on. Yeah. I don't care about the geography. Not at all. It's one so of the things in this movie that doesn't work in the first movie, I thought the ticking clock worked pretty well. Clearly, they were <laughs> cheating a lot, right? But the island of Manhattan is very small and condensed. It's more conceivable. All right, if you had to get somewhere in like an hour, right? Like drive away over a bridge, whatever, maybe. Los Angeles is fucking big and spread out. Yeah. So for some reason, they decided to make this a fucking nine hours and change mission. Right. And it, it was one of those things that aggravated me so much throughout because there's nothing I hate in movies more than the false ticking clock. Right. Where it's like, we're just going to rev up drama because we can't turn that up from what's in the scene. Right. So we're going to add this false number that just doesn't make sense. Right. And so, yes, I don't care about the geography. I care that I think the nine hours was a a wrong choice. I agree. I think that was a bit of a mistake. In New York, again, like, you're right. New York is much more. First off, New York has a much more intense, like, grid. So, like, the system is very easy to figure out how, like, you're either going up or down. Like, that's it. Yeah. And again, I think, again, I've been to both places. I spent a lot of time in New York, and I can tell you right now, it's very easy to get around simply because I know what direction, you know, if the street numbers are going up, obviously I'm going the wrong direction if I'm trying to get to First Street or something like that. Yeah. L.A. is... But I I think there's a way they could have gotten... Because I know this is the thing they did in the first movie, too, which is why, when you give Snake a vehicle, does he not just drive away? Right. I think there's a better way to they could have done that in this movie. And also you have this impending war with Cuervo Jones, right? So maybe somehow tie Cuervo that in Jones. our utopia to <laughs> we'll we'll get to the namings in a minute. But so Cuervo or Utopia being more of the you know, he has to stop this war somehow. Maybe somehow there's one thing he cares about that's yeah. coming. I don't know what it is. There's a better but ticking I feel like clock. Than just it, it he's didn't work die. for me in this movie. No, right? I agree, and I also think that in this movie. again, I, it's just a very different island. Like if you're going to section off, like basically what you're doing is sectioning off a piece of Los. You're sectioning off Los Angeles down to Anaheim, which is like a lot. If you like yeah. Disneyland is to not Maui, Disney, Maui to Anaheim. <laughs> Mal, so it's like the Malibu, like basically like where I live, I get beach. Oh, Malibu, front, I get beachfront property. Hell yeah, to, which is awesome. But no, okay. So, anyways, geography but aside, that's not important. But yeah, the ticking clock didn't. What I think works pretty well in this movie is this movie did a little more of the let's go to different parts of the city and they they're they're really taking a lot of like shots at L.A. And yeah, movie, this right? movie is a lot about taking the piss out of Los Angeles, like to a extreme almost in a lot of ways right like, but to me one of the best scenes in the movie is in beverly hill 100 oh, where we see bruce campbell's plastic surgery factory where these people have tried to make themselves so perfect that i think they said they barely even have tendons and bones yeah like basically like, these people have like, like jellyfish monsters yeah these people have done so much work to themselves that now that they can't get it fixed like their skin just turns to jello which is again it's great it's a awesome. great pastiche on Hollywood. It's a great pastiche on Beverly Hills itself. And Bruce Campbell 
is the perfect guy yeah. to be the Surgeon General of Beverly Hills. It's a great, it's a great gag. And like, well, that one's awesome too because you're like, they're still doing this in the midst of this LA's now an island apocalyptic theocracy. Yeah, they're like, we still must get like for him to walk in and not be like, Snake Plissken here, some shit's going down. He's like, ah, oh, what a great eye. If only you had two of them. Right. Okay. <laughs> I was like, but that's what I, I like. I like what I stuff. always think works best in these movies. Right. Is taking Snake Plissken and just setting him against these weird kind of outlander yeah. characters. Well, this and just, movie, you know, walking through these strange worlds where only a guy that badass could walk yeah, through. These I mean, this worlds. movie has a lot of weird for weird sake, like freak of the week villains. Like the Surgeon General of Beverly Hills is a great example, but he's also a lot of fun. And it's a great set yeah. piece. And again, it's just yeah. a lot of good, like, in jokes about Los Angeles. It's a lot of really fun, like, menacing stuff about LA. Like, if you take something like that, everything about Los Angeles in here is entertaining because if you take it to the nth degree, it gets terrible. Like, there's nothing about, <laughs> like, everything that happens in this movie, particularly, like, with the adversities that Snake Plissken has to deal with, are basically the nth degree of how terrible something like that, as simple as either, like, Getting getting plastic surgery in Beverly Hills, which, yes, those people are awful. So, of course, they're going to be just, like, miserable Omega Men shamans who are just, like, chasing the dragon the whole time. <laughs> and then, like, you know, you take it all the way to, like, Jose – or you take it all the way to, like – I almost said Jose Cuervo. To Cuervo Jones' uh, car, which is just has, like, inexplicably has baby doll heads all over it. Like, there's all these little pieces. And then, like, Steve Buscemi and Peter Fonda, who are, like – my favorite characters in these movie in this movie. Peter Fonda has some of the best lines and he's in maybe three minutes of this movie. Just because he's Peter Fonda, man. Yeah, his is why <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because you gotta include an old Here's... Venice hippie in a movie about LA. I was just like, could we could <laughs> could we find a way? <laughs> Fuck! Could we find a way to use Peter Fonda and our surfing gag like a little more? Yeah. Uh, just like a I little bit a, more. I needed it one more the time. Thing. When they start surfing and he's like, bro, it's the big one. Don't go under, bro. And they're surfing. And Steve Buscemi looks over and has okay. this look. The and we double see take? Snake. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome because you're like, that's so fucking funny. Oh, it was great. But Snake in like the fucking wildly cartoonish blue. And he has that like snake look, right? Like, did it, did it, did it. You know, like that like focus snake. And I was like, yeah, I get it. That's cool. Like, that's fun. Yeah. But also, like, what the fuck? This was. It's, it's like actually like making me upset <laughs> because this is the movie. And I would say. The biggest flaw of the movie is not the ticking clock that doesn't work for me. It's not the repetitiveness, right? The thing that was hard for me to suffer in this movie was seeing Snake Plissken go through what I myself have gone through in my life, which is where as you get older, you're like, fuck, I'm not cool anymore. <laughs> this was the movie where like three to five times I see Snake Plissken doing uncool things, yeah, right? There's the first movie, it's all walking, trying to get laid in the middle of his death. And shooting uh, a gun. Killing a man with a spiky baseball bat. Yeah, yeah, like whipping ass and being cool, right? In this movie, 
I see Snake Plissken on a hang glider. Yeah, let's list this off. It's uh, and, and let's let, well, let's list this off. No one has ever looked cool. No one in a hang glider. Period. Not once. If you took the who's the coolest guy of all time that you can think of, the coolest guy ever. Coolest guy ever. I don't know. I mean, like, does he have to be real? Well, that. <laughs> No, I mean, let's not say that this is like a real thing, right? Master Splinter from the Ninja Turtles. Sure. That guy's cool. Matt, Uncle Iroh from there we go. Avatar, Dude, right? Uncle Iroh. These are cool. I guess I have a theme of who I think is cool. That guy on a hang glider sucks. It all sucks. Jason Momoa, right? Chugging a beer on a hang glider sucks. I don't want Doesn't that matter. in my Always movie. Always terrible. Right? Um, this, this movie also has the unfortunate... I think this is the Michael Jordan curse, which is in this era, we had movies with very famously badass characters that we loved looking super uncool playing basketball, right? Oof. And I'm talking about Ripley and Snake Plissken. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll get Ripley's to Ripley is a little more egregious. Yeah, because they're like, what's the one thing? <laughs> what is the one activity? That a woman could only do if infused with xenomorph DNA. Basketball. And you're like, whoa, that is a that is a fucking swing and a miss right there. That is poor decision making. Right? Also, it's space. Like, fuck up. But Pliskin. But this one, watching Kurt Russell Oof. not know how to dribble a basketball. Yeah. And making bank shots. Again, I'm not like a hardcore hooper, but I had my phase. I was like a player for a while. I played at the local gym. And you never want to be the like the guy who gets made fun of like you know oh fucking just throwing up bullshit bank shots watching snake plissken be the fucking terrible old white guy on the basketball court it it reminded me of when i was watching the matrix trilogy and i was like wait neo's not the one he's like the 18th yeah well that feels less cool it's not just that like it's just it's the the very action, like we talked about this in the last one, like everything Snake does is just cool in the first in Escape from New York. Like he just he's effortlessly he's cool. Effortlessly in the first cool. One. This one, the effort is so there. Like you're like, dude, you <laughs> yeah, have got to right. stop. Like he's that guy at the bar who's like wearing a necklace who like clearly never wears jewelry ever, but like that's how he feels young right now. And he's constantly like tugging at it, constantly, so you'll notice uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that I've never been that guy, but I'm saying I haven't been that guy more than once. Yeah, He's like, <laughs> he's that guy at the bar wearing a thumb ring. Like th- that, it's those guys. Like that actually has a specific meaning. You can Google it. I didn't know that, but yeah. So, um, <laughs> the basketball scene though itself. So him doing it seems uncool. And then I, I said this when we were talking about it before the show, it just reminds me of that scene in the office when Michael Scarn is flipping a coin to decide if he's going to save the world or not. And he's like, oh, best three man. out of five. And you're like, but no, holy imagine shit. Imagine this. But this it has is the what same we stakes. We walk into the Coliseum, right? Or yeah, we walk into the Coliseum. We see two guys in like an early version of MMA yeah. fighting. And if you lose, they bring out like a Gallagher size. <laughs> hedge trimmer yeah and you get to chop your opponent's head off that's one sport we see right and so we go from that sport to you think you can make five baskets in a row with a 10 second shot clock boom yeah and you're like that sucks again i was like why can't we just do the fighting thing i was like why are we moving past this it's 
and that was like the thing that infuriated the fighting me. with the giant hedge trippers is amazing it's awesome like what if cuervo jones is like hey all you rich uh white people of la who've been abusing gardeners for so long this is now your punishment totally and all the rich whites have to fucking fight each other with lawn maintenance stuff like that's a fun la thing right that instead you laugh at again they're just playing basketball like that the, like the first thing you happen upon is some rich white who like can't make a bank shot to save his life and they just blow him away on the court and you're like yeah why is this happening like this it's so weird and then yeah basketball but it's the curse of michael jordan because at that time they're like who is the coolest and most iconic sports thing michael jordan and it's like there's a reason he's like that because he looks cool doing it yeah Snake and Ripley do not. <laughs> it's so like it, it. Watching that today actually hurt me because I had the thought I was like, "Fuck!" I've been telling my brother like I want to get back in a league, <laughs> and I was like, "I will look like Snake." It's the one time I'll look like Snake Plissken is trying to play basketball again, like yeah. not dribbling well, <laughs> and, like trying to make bangers. Well, it just it hurt. Like, but this is takes you that out. is one of the things of the movie, right? Which is snake dealing with this everyone thinks he's not as tall as he should be and slower and whatever so I, maybe that's what they're going for it just it felt like i was like do the giant hedge trimmers that's aw- that is futuristic sports to me yeah. that's apocalyptic sports like i wanted him to get in there with the guy who looked like he was in guar and do the fucking hedge trimmers yes i don't want to see him shoot layups i don't want to watch again it. it's just like baffling it's one of those things that happens in a movie it's rare that you see like you only know afterwards that the plot stopped dead in its tracks at some point. This is like one of the few times in a movie where you're like, wow, we are just stopping this movie to watch Kurt yeah. Russell play basketball by himself. Like well, we- this is the weird thing, because in the first movie, it had this kind of ceremonial honor amongst thieves kind of thing. Yeah. When Snake Plissken actually wins, Cuervo's just like. Oh, I have to shoot him. Yeah, fuck this. I'm going to shoot That's him like, anyways. Bitch, you like, already... All right, cool. So like, it doesn't even fuck? matter. Like, why did you shoot him to begin with? <laughs> yeah, and they're even like the crowds chanting his name. You know, this town loves a winner. And it's like, all right, make that matter then. Make yeah. that. Don't just do it because it was in the first movie. It's all right. Because and it's... also you're like, unlike the first movie where they have nothing going on. They think they're just going to leisurely stroll the next day. Cuervo is like forming a beachhead where he thinks he's getting a military copter and they're going to have this fucking invasion. Yeah. It's like, you have bigger things to worry it's, about. Everything gets made up for that scene, though, because of, and I'm telling you, I've never laughed harder than that fucking Steve Buscemi double take when it's Kurt Russell is surfing next to his car. I laughed so fucking right. loud. I woke my kid up from but a that's, nap. That's how loud I was laughing. That's the thing, though. If you're going to do campy and weird, that's how you do it. That's what you got. Because that one, again, you're like, this doesn't look right. Why is this happening? But then as it unfolds, you're like, it is undeniably enjoyable, right? Like, not ideal in any sense of the word, but it fucking works. Through alchemy, it works. The the surfing works. The Beverly Hills people, that fucking works, right? Like, a lot of this stuff is good, man. But then... You get to the basketball, you get to the hang gliders, and you're like, there just got to be something better. At that point, pre hang gliders, too, you think you're almost on a roll because Pam Greer shows up as, man. Yes. uh, (laughs) Wow. So Pam Greer shows up as 
I don't remember if she had a last name, but Hershey. Was it a last name? Hershey's the name. Hershey. And then we find out it was Carjacker Jones, right? Car- Carjack Malone. Yeah. By the way, the names are almost in your face racist. Yeah. Cuervo <laughs> Jones, so, Hershey, uh, played by a black by man named Carjack Malone who changes his name to Hershey. And then, yeah, Cuervo Jones. You're like, you are not even like trying to hint no. around. Yeah. It's just like, it's so in your face. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, like, Carjack Malone. Carjack Malone. Again, <laughs> what like, what the fuck? I think, like, I remember we were watching, like, we were watching it today, uh, and my wife heard, like, what's the bad guy's name? Like, Cuervo Jones. And she was like, oh my God. I'm like, I know. He should just be called, like, Mexican McMexican face. Like, I don't understand yeah, why we're even Guatemalan doing this. Your Guatemalan wife was just like, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. My wife, my, your Guatemalan, my Guatemalan wife, wife was just like Quirk. rolling her eyes into the back of her head. She goes, oh my God. I'm like, it's whites making this movie. Just relax. <laughs> yeah. But wow. Yeah. That's, that's a rough one, it's man. It's real bad. <laughs> oh my God. But like, uh, let's talk about some things we liked. Yeah. Uh, I like the Utopia beat in this one. I thought I that do was too. cool, man. Again, it's a good I thought tying her, her and her dad were really good in this movie. I like those two characters yeah. a lot. I mean, I think that, again, it's so weird to see Cliff Robertson in a role other than Uncle Ben, because that's just where I've known. That's yeah. just where everyone knows him from now. Like, I remember seeing him in other to movies. To be fair, this, this could have been Uncle Ben. Like, he was a little preachy all the time. Let's be <laughs> But all like, that oh great responsibility. He bullshit. was great. The yeah, Utopia, his daughter's great. And again, like she has a great like I like that story beat a lot. I like this like I like the um Patty Hearst with regrets vibe that she gives the whole time. And again, that's yes. really fun. I think Steve Buscemi's a fucking blast, man. Well that that one Utopia is amazing because so she's raised by this dad and all she does is sit in virtual reality. Yeah. Right? Because the world sucks. The one thing she knows for sure is that her dad is a cock. That's the one. She's like, I don't know a lot about the real world. I don't like it. I like VR. When I'm not on my headset, I know my dad's a cock and he should not be president. Right? (laughs) So she escapes. And then she realizes that the real world is fucking awful. Yeah. It's just awful everywhere. And that on both sides of this ideological war, there's bad dudes. And she sees Snake Plissken, also a bad, bad man who is a criminal, who occasionally has been nice to like one or two characters in the entire series, often who it seems like he might try to make a pass at while he's dying. True. Uh, She turns to him and is just like, please, God, help me. So she is going through it. And I think that and her dad, those journeys I really liked. I liked the scene when after the earthquake hits, right? at the basketball game, you know, they're yeah. just like, start shaking it. We don't know how to move the story. Shake the whole world. Um, we cut back and the president is now under the desk kind of praying. Yeah. I think it's awesome that instead of becoming this strong, like he's wielding the Bible as a weapon, he is a, he feels like he actually is a true believer. Right. Yeah. And then later definitely. when he's like, I'm going to my quarters and Stacy Keach is like, follow him, make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. I love that. That, you know, it's not just this, like, you know, cynical, false believer. Like, he feels like he might actually really think he's, like, a chosen one. And there's an yeah. angry God shaking oh, no. the world. I mean, Cliff Robertson commits and makes me believe the entire time. But I lo- yeah. what I love, though, is you say this. Because I agree. Like, he has all these great beats where he's a believer and all that shit. But 
to be honest with you, every time it all just feels like, and it could just be John Carpenter playing on my cynicism as like a ex Catholic, but like all I see is someone who's just faking it because then at the very beginning of the movie, <laughs> not as dumb as he looks, I guess like he's like such a dick <laughs> at the very beginning of this movie. And I'm like, there's no way right. someone who's that but dependent that's, on that's... Jesus, but that's no, also, but that's, that's my preconceived notions, you know? Well, because he knows that Snake's not religious, he would judge the fuck out of him. That rings true to my religious experience. Totally. Also, everyone who's super religious knows in their heart of hearts, is they to use their terminology, that they're fucking lying. Yeah. Right? Like, I have a neighbor, not to be too specific. Uh, I blocked him on Facebook because he invited me to church once. I was like, hard block, immediate. Like, don't, nope, not a thing, right? He's like, come have fellowship and i was like blocked like that's not what we do here that's not but that's the thing i was like he's real into the jesus thing right in his heart and heart deep down in his soul he knows for a fact that he's never talked to jesus or god and that neither of those made up cartoons give a fuck about so in that respect this uh presidente is actually kind of perfect right as he's a guy who wants to be the snake you're a fucking dumbass <laughs> but then when everything falls apart he is this weak little man who's falling back on his superstitions i i thought he played it really well i, I think that's oh no, great man. kind of Again, like he, losing it and uh snake in the grass right yeah. or snake in the garden as it were i thought that was cool but no i i agree he's a really good he's Did a I go too character. hard on my neighbor should i not have done <laughs> I don't think it matters. Uh, yeah, I thought that it was. Um, <laughs> he definitely doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This isn't. This isn't necessarily a seven hundred club. That's the second seven hundred club yeah. reference I've made in two pods. Um, we we haven't done enough Kirk Cameron movies yet. <laughs> 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 He's like enough of that, Kurt Russell. Where's the Kurt Cameron? That's not really what he sounds like. That's how I hear him, but that's not his real voice. But yeah, I mean. Cliff Robertson's great. He does such a good job of selling you that he's a shit bag either way, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think, again, you can't do the president's in danger twice. I love what they did this time. Like, that's like something that is yes. really. Now, let's let's get to really this. Fun. The ending of this movie, I thought, really slams it home. Right. The end, oh, yeah, the dude. shootout and what I believe they kind of make a pun is like Disneyland, like something bad happened in Paris. You know, oh Disney yeah Paris well this is whatever. like in the early 90s or this is mid 90s so like they make a huge again there's a lot of like weird inside baseball jokes throughout the entire movie about like movie yeah. and like business in general and i'm like that's no one's gonna know what they're talking about here <laughs> like my mom would just be like that's a strange thing to say on a hang glider right i'm like the only <laughs> reason i know anything about that is because of the fucking <laughs> imagineering documentary on disney plus i'm like cool yes. i get that joke now but that's what i mean all that stuff like you're like all right shooting stuff you know blah blah the cool the funny part is when Buscemi jumps out of the plane so he thinks it's going down and then he's like hey come that back great. but so then this like ultimate camp fest right the basketball and the surfing and the plastic surgery people then we get to the ending oh, and they actually drop this really fucking cool ending on us out of nowhere and to me this is the stuff again utopia and her father just snake plissken in general in this ending this is kind of what i really like about this movie right so the ending essentially is 
Snake shows up, right? He's got he's got a device. Utopia's got a device. They catch her. They think they've got the real device. Snake's sitting there. The president's like, I'm going live, right? So now we're operating the propaganda again, which is fun. Right. And he's he's going live. In live, he says, hey, don't come for America or I'm going to fuck you up with these. You know, they have this ring of EMP satellites. Yeah, and, yeah. Nukes. and that's it doesn't work and he's like oh you fucking it's the you know it's buscemi's uh buscemi's map to the stars which is great with that fucking randy (laughs) newman song in the background perfect perfect and then we cut back to now snake is hologrammed their ass right yeah which we had that was going to be the payoff make sure you use it when it counts right they even told us it was coming yeah and i i forgot about i didn't see it coming (laughs) i love it right and actually switching with utopia that's a pretty clever because Stacey Keach even says it, right? Like, you become pretty predictable, Snake. And we fall in because we're like, of course, that's the movie we're doing. And they fucking get us, right? And then the idea of Snake resetting the world. Yeah. How did that hit you? What did you make of this ending? I mean, it's just so big. Like, I think that's the thing that always, whenever I've seen this movie, right? that is the thing that always <laughs> hits me is I'm like, that is like, the level of consequence is shocking. Like, I think that's the thing that always I'm just like taken aback by is I'm like the world, the world is shut down. Like 500 years worth of development is just gone. So now, and then he like, I mean, and again, it's one of my favorite, like snake Pliskin moments. And you love it because you're like this, we've done this world twice. Yeah. And you're like, it's really not worth saving. That's all these movies constantly. And again, like, it's and so it has can- the best, like this Snake Plissken, and, and like in every any other movie, this ending would fucking suck. But the reason it's so good is simply because it's Snake Plissken. Because at the beginning of the movie, they tease that he gets a thing of uh, matches. They're like, what's this dude? Like, just matches. Good old fashioned matches. You're like, cool, matches. No, why not? Fucking Snake takes one out, lights a cig looks right at the fucking camera as the fade out. And I'm like, oh my God. And then over black, welcome to the human race. Like, fuck. Yeah, dude. See, I had a question about that though. Cause I had fuck, to rewatch yeah. that what a, a couple line. times today because what I was like, who the fuck is he looking at? Uh, and two, where did those cigarettes come from? He fa- I thought he found them on the ground. He found him on a tree stump. Who the fuck is leaving cigarettes on a tree? That's why I, honest to God, thought this movie was setting up for that Snake is staring down an alien who, like, came down. Right? <laughs> like, when they do, what is that, the day the Earth stood still and that one alien's like, I'm here to judge Dude. you guys. Is Snake Plissken just, like, How? meeting a guy and he's like, what's up, alien? Is this all, or maybe this is the simulation, like, now make oh, maybe no, the no, architects no. like now oh, you're talking my language me, how fucking rad would a third sequel of this movie because i we did some research by the way and found out that actually the movie ghosts of mars was supposed to be the third snake plissken movie and because this movie yeah. did so poorly they scrapped it but like how fucking awesome would a second like escape from earth how fucking rad would that have been? If- right. Escape from Earth. That's oh, what I mean. Yeah. It felt to me. Hell yeah. That's, that really tripped me up. I was like, where the fuck did those cigarettes come? Because Stacey Keach just finished telling us, right? No smoking. No nothing. No red me. meat. No women. No smoking. No, Which is funny because it's like a, char- a Stacey Keach has made his career off of characters that do all those all things. All those things. 
right? Every like, single red, one of them. Red meat, smoking, whiskey, like that's it. So him doing all that, the land of the free, right? That I thought was cool, but I swear to God, I thought this ending was saying aliens approved. I'll tell you right now. Of what Snake Plissken did. The ancient aliens. The ancient aliens. They're coming back. I'm telling you right now, I would be fine with that. And if that's your interpretation, I accept that. And I'm like, that is a missed opportunity of a third movie right there. But that's what I said. The ancient aliens are like, we were just waiting to come back to where people (laughs) could sculpt us out of clay again. Finally, we can revisit our favorite tourist destination. You guys were getting a little wild with those 50-foot walls and theocracies and shit. This is way better. I I thought it was rad because it's essentially Snake Plissken has spent two movies in this America hellscape, right? All of the worst kind of things about America drawn out to these wild extremes. And he becomes our anchor. It's weird. He becomes kind of our America. He's our country that we're rooting for. Right. And he just says, fuck it. You guys all suck. Like no one is worthy of saving. And he fucking gets rid of all of it. And he stops the execution of Utopia. The dad, I love that line too. When the dad's like, and he so loved his country that he gave up his, you know, you know, cheating traitorous daughter. I was like, yeah, this guy's like back into like crazy theocrat. I just thought it was super fun. And then you add in the alien shit. I thought that was cool, man. Yeah. There was another thing that I actually really liked. I forgot. They added a cool concept in this movie that didn't last very long. It kind of got ended by a bullet really fast, but I liked the moment where he was talking to the girl on the four Oh five. And, uh, she was like, essentially this is the only free place left on earth. Oh yeah. That was because in both these movies, it is one of those. They put you on an Island and you guys just go there. As long as you're not with us and you don't cross, you guys have this. And she's kind of like, you know, once you figure it out here, it's not that bad. At least I can still wear a, fur coat that feels like a weird hill to die on but you know like we'd all have our things but i thought that was a really cool idea and again pairing that with what cuervo's trying to do becoming this kind of like propaganda becoming a theocrat himself i thought yeah. that w- was a cooler thing they could have ran on but that scene was fantastic it's a great I scene that idea. again i i love that it also feels like another dig at LA because like she literally goes through this whole diatribe like it's not such a bad place and then boom gets fucking blown away and you're like got it Los Angeles is terrible thank you <laughs> like yeah well I mean Utopia is like the the LA story 101 oh, which yeah. is like I came out here because I thought it'd be cool but everyone's freaks and it sucks I want to go back home <laughs> That's like Utopia really Again, I don't, hammers that home. There's so many like LA in jokes. I really don't have a problem with like any of them. I don't oh, you know what? I did wanna um at the very beginning of the movie, when uh he gets to LA, he goes through, he starts walking through downtown because he like he's trying to hunt down the um the one soldier that still has the heart monitor the going. The leftover soldier, yeah. And he walks in and finds out, finds these guys like throwing knives at him and shit. The guy who fucking antagonizes Snake is, I ne- I never remember the car- the guy's name. Um, is it David? Or which, which some one of the Carradines from the one from uh, Revenge of the Nerds? It's him. Not David Carradine. No, 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 no. no. The the um the 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 one the one the one from Revenge of the Nerds. That's all I know. That's one of the movie I know him from. And he's the dad in Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> but like. He his bit is so funny because I'm like, oh, is that gonna last? Where he's gonna like just chase him through the streets with knives, be like, come back here and face me, like the whole time. And then like Snake just turns around and just blows him away, and you're like, 
all right, cool. Like, there's a lot of those little bits in this movie that are really fun and entertaining. There's just like great character moments, and yeah, I really enjoy that about this movie. Is that Escape from L.A. for all its warts is also really just like fun, fucking turn your brain to mush kind of movie, man. Like, yeah. This this one goes completely overboard with camp, right? Yeah. So the way I frame it in my mind where it works for me is that this is Snake Plissken's life being retold by people that don't really understand what he's about, right? right. And it's just kind of this bigger, sillier version of the first. And again, it, ma- it manages to be fun throughout most of the film. Yeah. And then at the end, I love the idea of Snake Plissken just being like, enough is enough and just pulling the fucking plug on himself yeah and just having one more talk with that ancient alien and like that's it god damn. it's a fucking thunder a good, ending but that's yeah a fucking good I, beat man I, like that. I really hope that that yeah. was the intention pulling the plug on his own franchise is amazing yeah agreed it's good Got yeah it. i i don't know i mean to me i look back on the escape movies and one of them is kind of has this like gritty small feel that was awesome of that late 70s into the 80s vibe yeah and I think it's it's hard when you wait 16 or so years to do this in the late 90s and the kind of movies we were making then. And it, it doesn't capture that vibe of Escape from New York, but it doesn't really try. It just says, all right, we'll show you what that movie looks like now. And it again, it it's sillier and bigger, but there's a lot of memorable beats in this. Yeah. I mean, that's the joy of this kind of movie is like, while it's not the greatest movie I've ever seen it's no less entertaining. And I think that's what that to me is what makes John Carpenter. My kind of filmmaker is John Carpenter makes these kinds of movies that while it might not be your kind of movie per se, you're still going to enjoy the hell out of yourself. And that to me is an overall value. You cannot put a price on when it comes to movies. Yeah. Well, this movie from other filmmakers, I don't think I would have found the joy in. Oh, no. This is like. And also, I mean, there is just wish fulfillment in seeing a guy you loved and a character you love get to come back almost 20 years later. And, Absolutely. you know, it might not be the same. It might not be. It's kind of like Mike Tyson's talking about coming back to fight boxing now in his 50s. You're like, that'll probably suck, but I'll watch it. Yeah, exactly. And I'll like it. Great way to put it. <laughs> there you go, guys. That's it for Escape period from new york and from la uh we'll be moving on next week with our the pod calls a carpenter month um all things john carpenter as many as we can get to this month we're working on laying all that out maybe calling in some backup if we need you the fans chose from a a list of our remaining options the fog so that'll be our wrap-up movie this month killer killer Uh, choice amazing fucking movie yeah so uh thanks guys again for listening please take a second and leave that rating and review especially on apple podcast app it helps us out a ton subscribe to the youtube channel nerd alchemist that's plural with an s at the end please give us a shout out on your social medias uh all of them you have we're there you can connect with us and give us a shout out help us bring more people in yep email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com with your ideas on uh Movies, themes, guests, double features, new stuff, old stuff. Uh, If you think our ideas are dumb, anything we missed, just any way you guys want to get a hold of us. Absolutely. We're here and available. Even write us a letter. Here's my personal address. It is. Just kidding. Go for it. (laughs) Dick pics. All right. Dick pics, as long as you have the Snake Plissken tummy tat, then it's okay. Snake Plissken tummy tat or no dice. Not to anyone's. 
<laughs> All right, guys, that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week with more awesome John Carpenter movies. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Green. I'm Alex Tandino. <laughs>